Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack Warriors. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic. Episode 207, I Believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of Heaven and Earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me, according to the regulation and uniform code of military justice. So help me God. I've been losing listeners left and right. The Cantankerous Catholic is still growing every week, but not as fast as it was. The reason for the slowdown in growth is because of the thin-skinned cowards who despise truth when it's contrary to what they want to hear. We're going to talk about that this week, and you'll have to decide for yourself whether you're a coward or courageous, whether you've actually earned the name Six-Pack Warriors. If you own a website that generates revenue for you, directly or indirectly, according to a recent Supreme Court ruling, you must be compliant with the Americans with Disabilities Act, or ADA. If you're not compliant, the government can fine you $50,000. 
Slip and fall lawyers are scouring the internet for non-compliant websites to sue on behalf of disabled clients for tens of thousands of dollars. One disabled man has filed over 800 lawsuits against non-compliant site owners. There were over 10,000 suits filed in 2020, but that number grew to 100,000 in 2022. Once they file suit against you, the government will definitely fine you, and there's no way to win against the fines or suit. You simply have to settle. Getting your website ADA compliant is very expensive. The minimum I've seen charged for this service is $4,000, but I've seen as much as $15,000. Well, I've learned how to make websites ADA compliant. If you want your website ADA compliant and avoid lawsuits and fines, as well as help finance this apostolate at the same time, for you six-pack warriors, I'll only charge $1,000 for full compliance. The $4,000 minimum charged by other ADA compliance consultants will only keep you from being fined. It takes full compliance to keep you from being sued, but that costs from eleven dollars to $15,000. Again, I'll do full compliance for any six-pack warrior for only $1,000 or $100 a month. Just click the link in my show notes on cantankerouscatholic.com and we'll get your site ADA compliant. Get compliant or risk lawsuits and fines. The only thing in this life that I hate second only to sin is cowardice. Cowardice is a grave personality flaw. Cowards are self-absorbed people like the guy you see in all the VW commercials now. I've come to expect average Americans to be cowards because they've enjoyed all of the easy and fruitful ways of life in these United States. But Catholics? Well, those claiming to be devout Catholics anyway. Fifty-two years ago, when I was a young teenager, average Americans weren't cowardly. They stood up for what they believed in. I remember when burning the American flag would start riots because American patriots were plentiful and wouldn't tolerate such behavior, despite what the Supreme Court said about flag burning being protected speech under the First Amendment. Before I get into the meat of this episode, I'm going to set the mood by playing an old Merle Haggard song from 1970 called The Fighting Side of Me. By the time the song is over, there'll be some people sign off of this episode. You know, the cowardly class. While this song plays, you can decide if you're brave and stay or a coward and leave. Let's listen. I hear people talking bad about the way they have to live here in this country. Harping on the wars we fight, griping about the way things ought to be. I don't mind them switching sides and standing up for things they believe in. When they're running down our country, man, they're walking on the fighting side of me. They're walking on the fighting side of me. Running down a way of life Our fighting men have fought and died to keep If you don't love it, leave it Let this song that I'm singing be a warning 
When you're running down a country horse, you walk in on the fighting side of me. Squirrely guy who claims that he just don't believe in fighting And I wonder just how long the rest of us can count on being free They love our milk and honey, but they preach about some other way of living And when they're running down our country man, they're walking on the fighting side of me they're walking on the fighting side of me Running down the way of life Our fighting men have fought and died to keep If you don't love it, leave it Let this song that I'm singing be a warning When you're running down our country, man You're walking on the fighting side of me You're walking on the fighting Running down a way to life Our fighting men have fought and died to keep If you don't love it, leave it Let this song that I'm singing be a warning When you're running down our country horse You walking on the fighting side of me In my mind, the sentiments in this song don't just apply to American citizens. It also applies to how devout Catholics should feel about the Catholic Church, which is a nation unto itself, a divine and mystical nation, but a nation nonetheless. Our first pope, St. Peter, said in 1 Peter 2, 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But the vast majority of Catholics today are cowards to the bone. They won't even attempt to do the three things necessary to get themselves into heaven, live in a state of grace, work to become saints, and share the faith. And they don't love the church enough, which is to say they don't love Christ enough, to stand up and fight the bishops to either force them to teach the constant 2,000-year Catholic faith or to resign in disgrace. The church is in such complete state of collapse right now that if you love the church and you aren't doing something, and I mean doing something, I don't mean clicking on petitions and sitting around getting agitated watching people's you know, YouTube podcasts, get off your rear end, organize, and get out on the road. You know, we see this all the time. Loads of us are out on the political, on the political thing. Yeah. Where, where's that sort of mindset among faithful Catholics? Because the left, the left is aggressive. They are organized, and they, they get out of their house, off their butt, and uh, into, they get in action, for sure. Yeah, they certainly do. What is the matter with these people? The modern Catholic Church in America has become steeped in cafeteria Catholicism, choosing what Catholic truths they want to accept and rejecting what they don't like. If you're a cafeteria Catholic, I've got a newsflash for you. Rejecting even the tiniest Catholic truth will buy you a one-way express ticket on the Styx cruise liner. But Joe, what you say is Catholic truth that I choose to reject are things that haven't been proven to me to be true. 
Name one. Name them all. You name anything I've said over the years on this show that you believe isn't true, and I'll prove it to you. You name several of them, and I'll invite you onto the show to be a guest to state your beliefs, and we'll debate whether they're true. I'm confident enough in the church's truths, that is, Christ's truths, to risk embarrassing myself and risking my credibility in front of nearly 100,000 listeners. Can you say the same about your position? And the reason I'm so confident is because every single teaching in the deposit of faith can be proven. What do you think made St. Paul such a successful evangelist? He was able to prove Catholic truth to his listeners. You must believe in every 2,000-year teaching of the church or you go to hell. You must die in a state of grace, that is, totally free of mortal sin, or you'll go to hell. You must spend the remainder of your life increasing in holiness, working to become a saint, or you'll go to hell. You must share the Catholic faith on a daily basis with both ignorant Catholics and non-Catholics, or you'll go to hell. If heaven doesn't sound all that appealing to you, and hell does, by all means, keep doing the things you do. There are three things that tell me listeners don't believe what I've told you. One, not one single listener has taken me up on the standing offer I introduced on October 26, which tells me you absolutely refuse to share the faith. Two, absolutely no one has contacted me on what it takes to grow in holiness in an all-out effort to become a saint. I'm not a saint yet. I don't mean to imply that I am, but I'm trying. So I must certainly know more about it than those of you who aren't even trying. Three, I don't hear about any heroic work any of you are doing to advance the cause of Christ in his church, such as fighting the USCCB criminal empire or sharing the faith with a huge number of Catholics who don't know the faith at all. No one likes to hear they're hellbound for eternal punishment. I get that. But if you don't hear the warnings that I give you, then from who? You won't hear it from your bishops, who are either too cowardly or reject the faith themselves. You won't hear it from priests, many of whom are only slightly less ignorant than most of the laity. Besides, they've been trained to be cowards. You're only going to hear it from me and Michael Voris. He's much more eloquent about it, but I'm just an old soldier and I express myself like one. Catholicism, by its very nature, must be lived and must cost you personally. There is no other way. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's version essentially sums up the entire gospel message. Jesus says in two verses what sums up the route we must take to determine our final destiny. In 7, 13, and 14, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy, leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. You've got to actively seek the narrow gate, but you won't be able to find it unless your mind's made up and you're committed to suffer for your faith. You've got to be willing to die for Christ in his church. You've got to be willing to suffer as he did for eternal life. I realize most of you don't actively try to be saints or share the faith because you're afraid. That's all right. Being afraid doesn't make you a coward. Being afraid merely makes you human. It's what you do with that fear that determines whether you're a coward or courageous. Hell, I'm afraid every time I reach out to a new soul. 
I'm afraid every time I begin teaching the faith, especially when I'm teaching one-on-one. I'm afraid every time I try to share the faith with a powerful person who has the power to crush me. Am I going to be ridiculed? Am I going to get punched in the nose? Am I going to have someone try to kill me? I've had all those things happen. Big deal. My fear motivates me on toward doing the things I do for the only one who can hurt me by condemning my soul. In Matthew seven twenty-one through 23, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Modern Catholics might say, Lord, didn't I do the works of social justice? Didn't I volunteer for everything at church? Didn't I give my money every time the bishop asked for it? And Jesus is likely to reply, What law were you keeping in your social justice? How often did you go to confession proportionate to the number of times you received me in communion? Did you obey me in all things? No, I never knew you. Depart from me. Are you a doctor, dentist, or other professional? Do you own a local business or e-commerce store? Do you have a website? Is your website compliant with the Americans with Disabilities Act or ADA? If not, then you're open to a $50,000 fine from the government and lawsuits from slip and fall lawyers who want to clean out your bank account. One disabled man has thus far sued over 800 website owners. It's a legitimate scam for him and his lawyers because you can't win. If you get sued, the only thing you can do is settle. Local digital agencies charge $4,000 for minimum compliance that will protect you from fines and eleven dollars to $15,000 for full compliance that will keep you from being sued. Well, I've learned how to make websites ADA compliant, and I'll make six-pack warrior sites fully compliant for only $1,000 or $100 a month. Anyone else besides six-pack warriors will pay the going rate. Save yourself from fines and lawsuits, as well as support this apostolate, by clicking on the link in my show notes at cantankerouscatholic.com to reach out to me now. It's time for the Sacred Heart Wins with Bishop Joseph Strickland. Each week, His Excellency answers your toughest questions about the Catholic faith, the problems in the church, spiritual questions, catechetical topics, or anything else you want to know. If you have a question, just email it to joe at cantankerouscatholic.com. Now here's Bishop Strickland and Joseph Pack, the Every Catholic Guy. Hello, six-pack warriors, and welcome back to the Sacred Heart Wins with Bishop Joseph Strickland. How are you today, Excellency? Good, Joe. How are you? Good, thank you. Listen, we're running a real hot clock, so David asks, Why do the bishops not loudly and publicly make the connection between the sins of America, especially abortion and the promotion of homosexuality, and the woes we are experiencing? 
such as COVID, drought, climate change, debt, inflation, illegal immigration, and the problems they bring, drugs, murder, and violence, school shootings, threats from our enemies, and evil leaders. I guess he named about everything. The prophets of old would preach, and sometimes God's people would listen. Instead, we get blather about the environment, social justice, racism, sexism, etc., etc., etc. Good priests are canceled, and wolves in sheep clothing are promoted. Some of this comes from the top. I don't hear much of a question there, but that's what he writes. Well, Joe, I think that absolutely, I mean, and I think that I would make the distinction, what does the USCCB put out there as a statement, and what is each individual bishop doing? Those are sometimes two very different things. Very there different. are a lot of bishops. Uh, I mean, I'm one that will say, I think an awful lot of the calamity we're facing in our nation is because we're in a, a, a nation that has murdered a lot of unborn children through abortion, and we're, we're still grappling with that, even though the Roe v. Wade decision thankfully went the right way and was Amen. canceled. Um, it's still culturally and among the people, even within the church, uh, sadly, the, the, the abortion issue is, uh, I mean, as saints have said, you know, the, the blood of these children cries out to heaven for justice. Amen. So, yeah, I think we're reaping uh, what we've sown with a sinful, immoral uh, breakdown of our society in the United States. Amen. Thank you, Excellency. John asks, why are so many German and other bishops willing to eliminate Catholic teachings to accommodate secular society? Well, again, I can't read bishops' minds, but I think bishops are human beings. And if you look at government, you look at business, and sadly, even you look at the church, you might say, oh, well, the church is holy. It's supposed to be, yes, it's supposed to be different, but it's humans. And I think that my theory is, and it's just my theory, but I think for Germany and for an awful lot of the issues we face, like so many things of corruption, it comes back to money. Uh, I think there are a lot of financial issues that go into it and a lot of power issues that go Amen. into it. But, but I think money is huge for the Germans. I mean, they have a totally different system than we're accustomed to in the United States. People get taxed who say they're Catholic. They get taxed heavily, uh, and that goes to benefit the church. So I think that... Um, Keeping that money flowing is the motivation. It shouldn't be, but it is, I think, the motivation for a lot of the the corruption of the truth of the gospel that we're seeing. Yeah, I agree, Excellency. Uh, money has become the big God. Anne asked, was Pope Benedict forced from the papacy rather than what the Vatican has us believing? And I don't know. Um, it's mysterious, the whole situation with Pope Benedict leaving and becoming Pope Emeritus. There's all sorts of ink spilled, speculating about what that all means, what his reasons were. Um, I've not seen any clear evidence that he was forced from anything. 
Um, I, I take him at his word that he didn't think he was strong enough uh, to battle it. And I think in that he was probably right. I don't know who would have been strong enough, but certainly I don't think we're better off since he um, chose to step down. But I don't think, to answer your question, I don't think he was forced out. Um, but the mysteries about why he did choose to step down um, are, uh, I don't have those answers. Yeah. And keep in mind that multiple times while he was prefect for the uh, doctrine of the faith, he had asked John Paul to let him step down because of his health. Well, here he is, what, 30 years later, still kicking. He wanted out then, but the Pope had the wisdom to keep him in. And I suspect it all, you know, his stepping down relates back to that. He just, I don't know. I think he's a little over concerned about his health maybe, but uh, mm-hmm. he was a great Pope. That's it for this week. Uh, Six pack warriors. You can come back next week and we'll have Bishop Strickland again. Blessed be the Holy will of God. We hope so. <laughs> Excellency, thank you for showing up this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Joe. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Some people have asked me if their nonprofit websites have to be ADA compliant. If it generates revenue in any way, the answer is yes. I certainly can't afford to be fined by Uncle Sam or sued by slip-and-fall lawyers. It would crush this apostolate, so I've made the Cantankerous Catholic website fully ADA compliant. ADA website consultants charge $4,000 for minimum compliance, which keeps the government from fining you. They charge eleven dollars to $15,000 for full compliance, which is the only way to avoid lawsuits. I've learned how to make websites compliant. I'll make Six Pack Warriors websites fully compliant for only $1,000 or $100 a month, which will save you $10,000 to $14,000 now and protect you from crippling lawsuits that you can't possibly win later. Not sure if your site is fully compliant? Click on the link in my show notes at cantankerouscatholic.com to reach out to me. Include your site's URL, and I'll check it out and send you a full report with what I find. Protect yourself from financial ruin and support this apostolate at the same time. I am hard, but I am fair. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. St. Teresa of Avila, the Carmelite doctor of the church, was once crossing a shallow ford in the river on her donkey. Suddenly the donkey bucked, and she fell into the water along with all of her belongings. 
Sitting in the river, the saintly mystic looked toward heaven and quipped, If this is the way you treat your friends, I can understand why you have so few. Being a saint doesn't mean you're drab, humorless, and have an ideal life. Quite the contrary, none of the saints in the church's history have been sad or lacking in the sense of humor. Indeed, the saints have always been souls other people were attracted to and enjoyed being around. However, that doesn't mean they have idyllic lives. St. John Bosco was under constant threat of death from the Freemasons who made numerous attempts on his life. St. Anthony of Padua and St. Francis of Assisi both died young men after long and painful illnesses. St. Bernadette died at a young age from exceedingly painful tuberculosis of the bone. St. John Paul II survived several attempts on his life, more than just the assassination attempt in St. Peter's Square, and suffered Parkinson's disease throughout the last half of his pontificate. So what does all this mean? Well, it means that if you're trying to become a saint, which is one of our two major obligations as Catholics, you will find yourself suffering. The question is, why does someone striving for sanctity have to suffer? It all boils down to perfection. In life, every action has a consequence. Our parents have told us this since we were old enough to understand. Anything we do, good or bad, has consequences. Every sin, no matter how minor, requires payment to the one being offended, who is God. So you can count on it. Everything from using God's name carelessly and telling a white lie to the commission of every mortal sin is something we're all going to have to pay for. The problem with being human is that we are so prone to sin that we'd never have a moment's peace if we paid for everything in this life, so we have to pay for our sins in purgatory. The problem with purgatory, though, is that it's incredibly painful, and even though the duration may not be short, it's incredibly intense. The reason for the intensity is there is no grace in purgatory. Therefore, those who are striving for holiness are being rewarded with infinite love from God. Yes, suffering really is God showing infinite love. We're being shown love and mercy in purgatory despite the pain. Without purgatory, we would all by necessity end up in hell. But suffering in this life is earning grace and is sort of like being paid triple or quadruple by our employer, getting three or four times the pay for the same work. Suffering in this life isn't nearly as hard as purgatory, but it's still very difficult and painful. But you see, suffering has great value in the scheme of things because Quote, nothing unclean shall enter heaven, according to Revelation 21:27, and an unpaid debt for previous actions, whether forgiven or unforgiven, venial sin or forgiven mortal sin, makes us unclean, so unworthy to enter heaven. So by suffering in this life and offering that suffering back to God as a gift and reparation for our sins and the sins of the world, we purify ourselves to be made worthy of heaven. In other words, if we accept our suffering as a gift from God, offer it back to Him as a gift, avoid grumbling about the suffering, then we can go straight to heaven without a stop-off in purgatory. And believe me, suffering in this life beats purgatory by a thousand miles. Try reading the book Purgatory by Father F.X. Shoup, available from Tan Books. I read the book almost 30 years ago, and it had such an impact on me that I've never forgotten a bit of it. 
So what constitutes a suffering that we can offer up to God? Well, since suffering in this life earns grace, any sort of suffering will do nicely. Got a cold? Offer it up. Had to pay for an unexpected car repair? Offer it up. Anything, whether big or small, extraordinary or mundane, can and should be offered up to God as a gift and reparation for your sins and the sins of the world. Since the reality is that we don't ordinarily shoot straight to heaven when we die, offering up your sufferings, big and small, will lessen your time in purgatory. Let's get back to sanctity. If you're striving for holiness, that is, becoming a saint, and I hope you are, then suffering slips into high gear. The only person's experience I can credibly talk about is my own, so let's examine my life. Ordinarily, when we ask God to make us a saint, we actually look for things to offer up in reparation for our sins. That's why we traditionally give something up during Lent, an act of penance for our sins. People seeking sanctity usually look for lots of Lenten sacrifices all year long. But I'm one of those weak souls who doesn't do well with voluntary penances. I can't seem to maintain the resolve to keep them. Well, for folks like me, God has a remedy for that. Does the name Job come to mind? Since I'm weak and don't do voluntary penances well, God permits me to be treated a lot like Job. The severity of my sufferings aren't quite as strong as Job's, but they sure seem like it at the time. The last few years, for example, have been a wild ride for me. First, one of my sons returned from his second tour in Iraq a virtual mental vegetable. He doesn't even know me, so for all intents and purposes, I've lost him. Second, a trusted friend and advisor stole our identities and all our money, placing us in financial ruin. Next, another of my sons suddenly died, the result of his naval service about 15 years before finally catching up with him. And just when you think things can't get worse, never say that because I'll tell you they can, I suffered a stroke that nearly killed me and left me handicapped. Add that to the fact that my wife has dementia and I've been fighting for my life from other physical trials. What will happen next? <laughs> I don't know. I only cringe and wait, but the fact that I cringe shows you how weak that I am. If I weren't weak, I'd face these things with long-suffering and fortitude. But at the end of the day, I know all of this is in the permissive will of God for my sanctification, a gift of infinite love. So what's my point? The point is, it really doesn't matter what you do. You're going to suffer for your sins, forgiven or unforgiven, in this life or the next. There's no escaping God's justice. If you die free of mortal sin, and if you don't make reparation in this life, you'll do so in purgatory. The only differences between purgatory and hell is that purgatory eventually gets easier, and it doesn't last forever. According to Our Lady of Fatima and countless mystics and saints, many of us will stay in purgatory until the end of time. I suspect that I'm one who would end up there until the end of time, if not for offering up my sufferings now. What about you? So make up your mind to do penance in this life, set your sights on heaven rather than purgatory, and give God his due before he decides to collect in the afterlife where reparation is a whole lot worse. You might want to sit down for this one. 
I'm going to stop asking you for gifts to support this show and begin asking you to help me get more listeners to the Cantankerous Kaplan. It won't cost you anything except a few minutes of your time. The more reviews the Cantankerous Kaplan gets, the more often it's displayed by the podcast aggregators when people are looking for new podcasts. Occasionally, this might cause the Cantankerous Catholic to get attention from Podcast Magazine, the industry's trade magazine. So click on the link in my show notes that says, Rank and Review the Cantankerous Catholic so more Catholics can join us. Then write a short review. doesn't cost you anything and it doesn't make me anything. It just gets more listeners for the Cantankerous Catholic and makes the USCCB live it. That's a good thing. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from Pope Benedict XVI. He said, Receiving the Eucharist means adoring him whom we receive. Only in this way do we become one with him and are given, as it were, a foretaste of the beauty of the heavenly liturgy. The act of adoration outside Mass prolongs and intensifies all that takes place during the liturgical celebration itself. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. The father of the church, John Chrysostom, brought down on his head the hatred of Queen Eudoxia. He courageously criticized the evils of her court. She decided to get rid of this plain preacher. Calling together her counselors, she asked which would be the best way of doing away with the offending archbishop. Banish him, suggested one. Confiscate all his property, advised another. Put him in prison, said still another. Put him to death, recommended a fourth. Finally, a venerable counselor arose, who seemed to know the saintly archbishop, and slowly he spoke. Your majesty, to banish Chrysostom is useless. He already considers his life a banishment. Take away everything he has, and he will be as happy as ever. He hates the things of earth. Put him in prison, and he'll be as cheerful as ever. Kill him, and he'll consider it a service. Death to him will allow him to pass through the door to a better life. If you really want to do him harm, to punish him, devise some means of leading Chrysostom to sin. Sin is the only thing he dreads, the only evil he fears. Actual sin, whether venial or mortal, is the only evil, the only thing to be feared and dreaded and avoided. Like all the saints and servants of God, St. John Chrysostom realized this, and for that reason he feared sin more than anything else, even leprosy, because sin is leprosy of the soul. The deadliest and surest killer of peace is sin. Ask Jesus to help you understand the nature of sin and malice of sin. And above all, avoid sin at any cost. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. 
Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It. 